Hello again. I recently had the pleasure of sitting down with Mickey Ball and Trevor DeCure. They run Mickeyote Books and Coffee, a used bookstore and coffee shop in the Portland area. My name is Mickey Ball. I'm Trevor DeCure. We run Mickeyote Books and Coffee. Uh, we're located at 1512 Portland Avenue in the Portland neighborhood of Louisville, Kentucky, and it's a used bookstore and coffee shop. I started off asking whether they considered themselves more of a bookstore or a coffee shop. I don't think we're one more than the other. I think it's a good balance of the two. And then what led them to do both? I started selling the books online um, and wanted to have customers instead of just online ghosts, if you will. And uh, I knew Trevor and he'd been working in coffee for quite a while. And um, those are two of my favorite things. So one does coffee and the other does books. Originally, I guess. Yeah, it blurs more and more as time goes by. But yeah, Uh, he's definitely a lot more knowledgeable on books than I am. Um, He can do a better coffee pour than I can. (laughs) (laughs) But that's just time. And speaking of time, how long have they been going with this? Uh, It'll be four years officially in September. Then I asked, how did they find this spot? So this space... We kind of were marched past it three or four times before we settled on it. We are in a rather large building that used to house the Tim Faulkner Gallery, and they recently moved out. And they were here when we got here. Uh, We approached them because we'd heard they were looking for a coffee shop or some kind of communal space to come in and be a part of the building. And so we investigated after, you know, we had looked at a lot of other spaces around Louisville and uh, banks wouldn't really talk to us. And we didn't even honestly know exactly what we were doing. So uh, an unconventional space was kind of the right choice. And this is definitely that. I mean, we got here and it was very raw. There was uh, debris <laughs> or whatever you want to call that. Um and just, you know, peeling up linoleum, exposed beams, not in the cool, like, you know, raw way, but like raw, like, I don't want that. <laughs> and uh, we worked for probably about five, six months in the heat of the summer with no air conditioning, kind of scraping up all of like the 30 years of abandoned whatever it was and painted on this new face. That it has today. And as Mikiote is one of my favorite spaces in the whole city, I can say that it really has a unique vibe with books just all around. That said, there is a third compadre in the Mikiote family, and I asked about that next. Uh, that's Jeffrey Russell, and uh, he's I've known him for probably 20 years now, uh, to show my age, but uh, we met in college, and... Um, when I was selling books online, uh, I asked if he would ever want to get in on doing a bookstore. Um, and this was before I talked to Trevor about it. So we were just kind of like, where in the country could we put a bookstore, you know? Um, but then I, within a week, uh, I remember Trevor and once he said he was, you know, in, then, yeah, Jeffrey's like, let's do books and coffee. And uh, we chose, like, I was living in Northern California, and Jeffrey was somewhere in America, uh, and Trevor was here, and 
Uh, we all have roots near or in Louisville. Um, so it seemed like the perfect location to, to come together to do this. I wanted to know more about how things came together and how the business side of things developed. I would say as far as like the boring business side of things, the cafe was definitely the, the more difficult just whenever you add food, anything where, you know, you might maybe make someone sick if you do it wrong, then there's a lot more hurdles to jump through. But I, I've been in this and food related industries for a long time. So I had at least a little bit of guidance there. And then just the business as a whole was a brand new thing for all of us, I think. Like, and when you go down to start that process, you basically know, okay, I have to go downtown and I have to talk to people that work in city government. And that's pretty much all you know. And uh, you have to start asking questions. And a lot of people in city government aren't there to answer any question beyond the one that you ask. Like they're not, I don't think they're deliberately unhelpful people, but it, it does, it is a challenge that you face. So you just have to have a lot of patience there when you're when you're putting something together and just keep asking questions till you get the answer that you want. Yeah, the book part was easy. I mean, there's not any like health requirements to, to sell a book, you know, so that was or permit wise or anything like that. So um, we had Billy Bradford already lined up to do of our woodwork, both in the kitchen part of the shop and the books, the bookshelves. So we kind of told him what we wanted and then. He took it a step farther with his artistry and made it what it is today. I ask what resources they had available to them at the time. Uh, so the SBDC, which is a great nonprofit, I think. Uh, they're the Small Business Development Corporation, and they're specifically there to kind of guide you through that process as much as they can. And... I, I mean, it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of operation, They, but they're definitely there to help, and they'll guide you wherever they can. So I think that's a great uh, resource for anybody trying to get started doing anything. And um, she helped make, like, sound our, our business plan and financial plans and just to make it cohesive and coherent to banks of, if, you know, someone wanted a loan that could get a loan. Um, they were a great resource for that. Did they use any traditional business tools at the beginning, like the business model canvas or just a business plan? More of a canvas, I would say. Or Jeffrey did a lot of the legwork with that, which was in insanely helpful. Um, but he found different templates and then just modified it to fit what we were doing. And there was definitely a lot of extra stuff in there like looking back on that just things that i think are for a bank but like we had to like write a description of our perfect customer and uh talk about the demographics of the neighborhood that we wanted to be in and um i think for larger like places that plan that kind of stuff that might be important but uh Definitely when you're first doing a thing, <laughs> that really, really matters. Um, you have to just uh, go with the authenticity aspect in the first first round of things. No business plan survives contact with the enemy or customer, I guess. Anyway, then I asked about 
channels and how they reach their customers? Uh, I mean, we use social media. Um, that's the small business's best form of marketing right now beyond word of mouth, which is the most important. And again, that authenticity factor comes back in because um, people can see through you if you're not genuine. We don't do a whole lot of paid marketing. Um, we had talked about it early on, you know, worked that into the business plan. At the end of the day, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Not only do you look at it from how much money am I spending versus the payback, but also like how do I as a customer look at those ads from other people? So that's kind of how we narrowed it down to what what we would use as a marketing plan. To the point of authenticity, it's clear that Mikiote uh, cares for the community. You can see lots of flyers for different causes and events that are upcoming as you walk into the shop, and you really get the sense that everyone is welcome. I would say the first three years, or so, maybe two and a half years, we were kind of muted uh, as far as just trying to remain apolitical about things. Um, but within, yeah, last year and a half, it's been a lot tougher to be quiet about things. So we started voicing a little bit more about our political views and things we protest or things we support. So, uh, yeah, like June is Pride Month, so we want to celebrate Pride and just to support that. The other aspect of that is just that for whatever reason, despite our quieter approach to that in the beginning, a lot of the folks in the social justice community came here as customers on the regular. And that was something we recognized. And we started building these, you know, kind of silent partnerships with them and then realized, you know, you got to speak up about that. Like that's something to be proud of. Uh, you see a lot of, I don't know, even especially politicians, which is silly as a politician to be silent about your alliances, but you see really important politicians distancing themselves from not that crazy positions because, oh, I might not get elected if I, you know, so we don't have to even worry about that. Like, yeah, we might alienate some customers, but I think we'll attract the kind of customer we want to see instead to fill in that gap if we're, if we're I don't about. think anything we're doing is outlandish either right. where if people do have a problem with, with what we do or support, then yeah. it's okay. Another thing that stands out before you even enter is the little library out front. The little free library? Yeah, so you see them all over, all over the city. And uh, who was it that helped design that for us? Uh, so Aaron Reed, uh, who'd recently left a position at Louisville Visual Arts, uh, our neighbor right across the street. She also worked for the Weber Gallery, and then she worked on that project specifically with Down Syndrome of Louisville. Uh, and in addition, the library itself was built um, along with, I think, 19 other little free libraries around the city through a grant made uh, through the Kentucky Foundation for Women. So it was like all of these different organizations coming together to make this thing that's kind of, you know, very humble in its existence, but uh, if you sit there and watch it, like a lot of people get use out of it. And so um, it's, it's a very interesting concept and it seems like a really small gesture, but I think it does make a lot of 
people's lives better. And yet another fun and interesting thing about Nikiote when I was in the shop before this recording was some of their drinks. I asked Trevor to explain a little bit of the story behind one of them. The Okay, so you're, are you talking about the Cortadito the Gordito? Cortadito gordito. Uh, so that came out of, I used to work for Heine Brothers Coffee here in Louisville, and uh, I had this coworker, Tiffany Ackerman, who is just an amazing ball of energy and creativity and friendliness. She's just amazing. Uh, she's the gallery director over at Flame Run. She works for Safe Place, uh, and I think she still works for Heine Brothers to this day. Uh, but we were in the shop one morning on early Saturday, and then there was two other baristas working. And it was busy, as it always is, at Heine Brothers. And um, the other two people working were these really young kids, and... We were both there, not that we were old, but we were in our 30s and um, just kind of tired because we work all the time. And the kids were complaining about about their morning and having to be up early. And so we just started talking about, you know, what we used to do when we were younger uh, on Saturday mornings instead of, you know, babysitting 18-year-old baristas who <laughs> shouldn't be that tired. And uh, she would, said she's half Cuban, and so she said when she was little she'd be with her abuelita uh, and she would make her a cortadito, which is a Cuban-style coffee drink. And I'm not sure why anyone would give that to a small child, but <laughs> <laughs> especially one like Tiffany because she's already so full of energy. But here we are. And then I would be in front of the TV eating a bowl of cereal that I'd poured sugar over all over it. And, you know, you get to the bottom and then there's that big mound of sugar that you scrape up and eat. And so we put those two things together into this drink and kind of how it how it came to be. Um, so it's just kind of a story about Saturday morning. I gave it a try. And as a person who doesn't really like coffee... I gotta say, it was pretty good. Next, I wanted to know what kind of customers they see and what kind of customers they expected when they made their business plan. I don't even remember what we put in our business plan. It was, I would say, insanely generic. Oh, yeah, it was very generic. <laughs> the original one was just, you know, a person who likes coffee. 18 to 65. <laughs> so. That that was one of the questions that we had a really hard time answering. But what about the ones that they see now that they've been open for almost four years? 18 to 65? <laughs> no. <laughs> so we were right. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's a, what would you say, average, like, I don't know, 30-somethings? We don't have a lot of, like, high school students, I'll say that. The thing that sticks out the most is... The, our customer base is full of people that do things, um, you know, build things. And I don't mean buildings, but like build communities, um, build social services for people that have less than. Again, like that came first. Uh, that was our customer base first before we really got vocal about who we wanted to be. Uh, so that, I mean... And now that's just reinforcing it. 
as we see a lot more people that are looking to build a better world. And with Blender in background, that's a good note to end on. Once again, I really like Mick Quixote, and I recommend it if you get the chance. Everything there is just great. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I hope to be back with a new Louisville entrepreneur sometime soon. Take care.